0: Okay, uh, we are now in the third uh, installment of our study of the Shiva Denechemta. We're looking at the Haftarah that would normally be read this week on Yasoara. And again, the question uh, arises we're skipping around Yeshayahu. And by the way, so far we've gone, gone sequentially, pairing Mem, then Mem Tet to Nun now Nundalad. Uh, next week we'll go back to Nun and then be earlier in Nundalad than this. Uh, and so that we have to figure out like what the scheme is about. Uh, and as I put in a footnote here, even though this Shabbat, we won't be reading on the Asara because it's Rosh Chodesh Elul. And so what we do is we attach it two weeks from now to Roni Akara, Roni Akara in Kitetze. Nonetheless, we're going to study it because we're studying the seven in order that they're normally done. Um, okay, so before uh, getting into the Haftarah itself, I want to point something out here that goes back to the tradition from the Beit Nidrash of Rashi. It's from Sidur Rashi, although it shows up famously in Machzor Vitri and in other uh, works of that school. Uh, and Rashi, by the way, did not write this Sidur. is written by his students. And he has, simane haftarot, haftarot is misspelled as you see, Mishivasavet Adsof hazinu. And this is the custom of the Haftarot that are read during this period, the famous acrostic for it is, Shach Noah, Arach Sadash, right? Which is, um, uh, Divrei Yirmiyahu, he lists them all. Shimud V'Hashem, Chazon Yishayahu, Nachamu Nachamu Ami, V'Atom et etc. And all the Haftarot, the three Haftarot of Purinut and the seven Haftarot of Nechama, plus two more. This Dalit is Shu from Tzom Gedalia, and this is Shuva from Shabbat Shuva. So it gives you a list and walks through. But Rashi makes a point here that gets then ex- uh, expanded and, and amplified upon uh, in later works, which is, he says the following, kach derech, and I underline it, menachamim ma'at ma'at. In other words, nechama has to come slowly. And he gives an example of the Nacharav somebody's been devastated by something you come up to, to, to somebody who, who, whose husband was killed climbing up to the 106th floor on 9-11 I was just talking non, about 9-11 to some of my students uh, and you try to give them coming and telling him all these great wondrous things that are going to happen when they're at the bottom of the pile is like coming up to a beggar and telling him tomorrow you're going to be a king It's too much, it's unbelievable for them and they can't accept it. There are other modes in which this is true is that if you come to somebody and and try to give them too grand of a picture, it is insulting to their loss. And so it has to happen in a slow slow fashion. And I think that's what happens here. So we're gonna do two things here, very simply. We're gonna go through the haftarah, read it and see what it means. And then try to figure out why this is an appropriate message to come where it does in the order of the Haftarot. We're not going to look at at its place within the order of the Nevuot of but I will contend again that this is a third voice. It could be one Navi with three voices, it could be a third Navi, a different Navi with a a different voice because had a different message. And the Minhai Yisrael, which again is quite ancient, uh, is to take these messages and read them in this order uh, like I said, lenachem Ma'at Ma'at, but also in an order that makes sense. And so again, I appended at the beginning of this, Nachamu uh, Nachamu Ami, because the Navi is is one of that group, or is one of the voices that are supposed to be Menachem. And notice that we have the phrase lenachem um, uh, in the past Haftarah also. And here it shows up one time, which is the very beginning, Aniyah Sorah so you who are impoverished and who are torn by storm, as it were, and has not been has not been comforted. And here's the message that that's going to happen. The um, haftarah is short, uh, and we're going to take a look at afterwards. Is a, a proposal that I have about what the message of the haftarah is based on its mivnev, based on its structure. But let's go through the words. Anytime we want to study Tanakh, the first thing I do is go through the words, make sure we understand the words. And so he approaches, um, now who's he approaching? Is he approaching the city? He's approaching the people? Um, it, and the, the answer is yes. In other words, there's been a confluence, and we saw it last time also in Gato there's a confluence and a deliberate blurring of the identity of the city and its people and the relationship between Hashem and the city, as the city being the wife of Hashem, and the city and her children, as the city being the mother, and the children being the children, or the, the lovers, as it were. All right, so here we go. All right, you have not been comforted. I am going to lay in. Puch is evidently uh, a very uh, fancy and expensive gemstone. I'm going to lay puch into your stones, I'm going to found you with sapphire. Now the description here is that I'm going to, uh, going to establish your walls. Now if you recall from last week, God says your walls are always facing, i was always thinking about your walls, the walls of your city. And now I'm going to inlay those walls with precious gems. V'SAMTI KADCHOD seems to be your windows. And I'm going to inlay them with also precious stones. EKDACH. Now, an EKDACH, as we all know in Hebrew, is a pistol. But EKDACH seems to be coming from the word LIKDOACH, which is, is both about, to, in modern Hebrew, to, to drill, but also means to, to inflame. KI kiesh uh, API. We have an HAZINU. So, Dach, which means you picture stones that are like on fire, meaning like uh, they, they have such strong light that comes from them. V'chol Now, gvul is an interesting word because we think gvul, we think about border, a, a line that separates two countries or two properties. But uh, gvul also means your territory. Haseim um, shalom, that's not just the bound, the, the borders of the whole area. The whole which means you picture here, kind of like people used to talk about the, the golden Medina, you know, that there's gold in the streets and kind of like the way that the Malachim describes Shlomo's Machut, just gold and fancy gems everywhere. Okay, so the first two Psukim are Hashem speaking to the city and saying, I'm gonna turn you into just a splendorous. Place of all of these fancy stones, which is why the next Pasuk is just so jarring. In other words, all of your children will be those who learn from Hashem, and there'll be great peace among your children. And the drush is very famous, and the psukim here seem to be kind of jarring left to right. And on the how they connect. It's like the old saw goes, you know, in pari and tilim, we don't know what one parak has to do with the next parak. In um in uh Mishle, we don't know what pa- one pasuk has to do with the previous Pasuk. And in Eo, we don't know what one word has to do with the previous word, right? Uh, but but here it does seem to be kind of jarring where things don't connect. You will be established through righteousness. And again, the words don't even seem to make sense. Distance yourself from, from oppression or from uh, from uh, abusive, exploitative practices. You should not be afraid. And is destruction or terror. It won't happen to you. Now, how is any of this hanging together? And here we have the pasuk that's probably the hardest one to interpret. Now, what does Goryagur mean? And the Farshima are divided in two, uh, not equal camps, but uh, as far as who, who you know how many take what position. But Lagur means to, to be a ger, right? So that means that means the one that attaches him will attach himself to nothing but me, which is a very strange thing. Or, lagur means, as in Sefer and Parsha Tvarim, lo to be afraid. gor efes me'oti, and we're going to favor this position, this interpretation, He, that you will only be afraid of me, meaning you have nothing to be afraid of but me. Efes me'oti. Migar itach yipol. And this is, seems to be a rhetorical question. Whoever is Gar Itach, it's a play on words, here's the one who has attached himself to you, Alaich You think that he's afraid of someone falling on you? Alaich means another nation attacking you and subjugating you. Nothing to be afraid of. Hine. And here we have a little bit of an issue because the word Hain was used in Tetvav to introduce sort of a surprising statement. And the word Hine is going to be used. Um Hine uh, is going to be used here again and uh, at the end, Uh but here it's read as hine. Hine anochi barati harash. Now this anochi seems to come back to hine anochim arbits papuch. So hine anochi barati harash. I'm the one who created the smithy, meaning the ability to, to forge. Nofeach beesh pecham who was able to use the bellows to f- fire things. This takes us back to yomial yudchet. The It's all in my hands. I'm also the one who created, the one who can destroy things. All right, which again, how is any of this hanging together? So any vessel that's created to attack you won't work. And now any tongue that stands up against you, meaning anybody making a libelous claim against you, you will be able to, l'hashiyah here means to disprove, to rebut. Zot nachalat That is the inheritance, that's the legacy of avdeh Hashem and their righteousness from me, says Hashem. And before we go further, we got to figure out, I mean, this whole phrasing is, is odd, and we got to try to put it together and see what, what, what's happening. In Pasuk Yodal Finu God is addressing the city that has not been comforted, and saying, I am going to make you a place of unbelievable opulence. And then in Yod Gimel, there seems to be a jarring break. He says, and all of your sons will be learned of Hashem. And in Yod Dalet, there's another jarring move, which is, you will be established through justice and righteousness, and you have nothing to fear. And then Ted Gav seems to pick up on that, which is there's nothing to fear but me. And then Ted Zion and Zion seem to be saying, I'm the one who's created everything, and nothing can be created to hurt you. And if the if the thing that's coming to hurt you is not a physical tool, but a legalistic tool, somebody's coming to challenge you, you will have the ability to defend yourself. And this is uh, this is what I have for 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 Avdei Hashem. Right, we'll figure it all out, but let's see the end. The end goes to the next barrack, which is again, a jarring dissonance. Not dissonance in the sense of apposition, opposition, but but just it's almost like a whole different topic. Hoy called some. And by the way, Gufa Kasha. not only is this problematic in rel- relation to what we just read, it's problematic in and of itself. Hoy called some. Hoy is a call. Anybody who's thirsty, go get water. Which, by the way, itself is a strange statement. If the guy's thirsty, and he knows there's water there, why do we need you to tell me go get water? And anybody who doesn't have any silver, Now, Lishbor usually means to buy. Remember the most famous scene of Lishbor? is Lishbor Bar Mimitzrayim, when the brothers go down, and everybody's going down, to buy uh, food from Egypt. Go down and buy and eat, but this is somebody that's sending me money. And go, and without any silver or any other payment, you will go and you'll be able to buy not just water, wine and milk. What the heck is going on here? The, The statement, again, doesn't fit with anything we've just seen. Not only that, but it doesn't make sense in and of itself. Somebody who's thirsty and somebody has no silver, go to the water, not only that, but go and buy and acquire wine and milk with no money. And And this is clearly related to the previous one, but it's also going in a different direction. The previous one was talking about liquids. Now, why are you weighing out silver without getting bread and all of your work, your your, your payment, I mean, the, what you have, your payment for your work, and you're not being satisfied? Again, what's going on? Listen to me and you will eat well. And you will be pleased. You'll have pleasure. You'll have lots of delights. Okay. And before going further, this does seem to echo what we saw in the first half of the Haftarah, that you have nothing to fear as long as you're listening to me, but still we have to go further. So bend your ears, and hearken, and come to me, if you listen to me, you will live. I will then make an everlasting breed with you, which are the chassadim. We're going to talk about that word of David, which are trustworthy. And David seems to be invoked here because I made him so that him must be David, a witness for the nations, nagida with somebody who is a leader and a commander of all the nations. You know, I've turned David into like, leader of all the nations. A nation that you're not familiar with, we'll call, but a nation you don't know is going to run towards you. What the heck is going on? I don't know if you guys are sensitive to this. I'm bothered by this. I am I feel like I'm in a maze. And every time I take a turn, there's a block. And i got to try in the other direction. And the cheese is nowhere to be found. And it's all for Hashem, and because God has made you glorious. What is going on here? So I'd like to suggest that the best way to understand what is happening in this Haftarah is to look at it from the perspective of its structure. The first two psukim are a unit. That's clear. They talk about God promising he's going to make the city inlaid with gold and precious, precious jewels. The third, the next two psukim, are of a different nature, and we got to see how they're related. All of your children will have learned of Hashem; they'll have great peace, and you will be established through justice, and you will distance yourself from oppression and exploitation. What does this mean? So we have to go back into the, into the period. This is a prophecy being given to the Jews who are in Bavel, telling them to come back. This is nechama And you have to remember, how did we end up there in the first place? So I will take you back to what may may be the most critical passage in this entire series, which is not in Yeshayahu. It's in Zechariah We studied it, I think, a couple years ago when the people in the the delegation was sent to Zechariah and asked, should we continue fasting in Av, for the destruction of the Mikdash, after the Mikdash is rebuilt? And remember Zechariah's answer. Zechariah's answer was, you're asking the wrong question. The question is, fast, don't fast. That's not the issue. The issue is, have you fixed what was broken? Did you go back and listen to the words of the Nevi'im that I sent, notably Yumiya'u, and correct what was going wrong? They didn't listen, and look what happened. So here, the message seems to be, okay, your children, this is the promise, your children will all have learned Hashem's ways and established the society that Hashem wants, which is the society of tstaka and distancing themselves from terror, from, from exploitation and from abuse, then you got nothing to be afraid of. Now let's go back. The next three psukim. So we had two and two. The next three psukim say the following: basically, God is in control of everything. Now, this is not new. This is something that we saw in the first haftarah, which was a creation epic. And we saw in the second Haftarah, which is control over the nations. And so here, it, it, that theme continues. God is the one who created everything. And since God is protecting you, because you are building the society that you were supposed to build, and you failed to build, and that's why the Mikdash was destroyed, and the Shalim is destroyed, but now you're going to build the proper society. And since God is in control, he's going to make sure nobody will be able to create a weapon that can hurt you. And if anybody wants to challenge you in the court of public opinion, you will have the ability to respond successfully, right? Which is la hashia la mishpatashi, right? So, what happens at the end? At the end, we again have three psukim, this water, milk, money thing. What's that about? That seems to be going back to here. And this is what I'd like to suggest is that this entire haftarah is made up of two sets of mixed stanzas two psukim and three psukim two psukim and three psukim the first set is about the the success and the protection of yushalayim which is this the success and the opulence of yushalayim in the first two psukim and here Though the comfort and the security and the assurance that nobody will be able to hurt us. That's on a physical level. That's on a, on a defense level. That's on a material level. The second set of two and three, which is right here, these two psukimiyad gemayad dalit and then the beginning of the next parak, are about what it will take to get there. What it will take to get there will be for your children to learn the lessons from the neviim. And to establish a society based on those norms that they've been teaching. And now let's look at this last section, or the pre, the penultimate section, which I believe is the second half of this. What is this water and milk and money and what's it all about? So it, it, it's pretty clear, and Chazal picked this up right away, that ain't mayim el Torah, and some may mean somebody who does not have Torah, and they realize that they're thirsty. Says, anybody wants come to come to water. Now, what does that mean? Bashein Lokasef. This takes us to an image that we have all the way back in Shmuel. When Shaul goes looking for his donkeys, the lad says to him, You know, there's an Isha Luqin, there's a Ro'eh, who can tell us where the donkeys are. And what does Shmuel answer? Ein lanu We have no gift to bring him. You would bring a gift to the Navi. What does the Navi here say? I don't need your money. You don't need to bring Kesa. You don't need to bring anything. You want water? Come. And not only that, you can come. And as if you've transacted, Shivru, and not only that, but I will give you not just water, I'll give you milk and wine, which, by the way, are throughout Tanakh, metaphors for Torah. Right? You don't need to be weighing out money to buy food. Come to me and listen to me, and listen, meaning to the Nevi'im, and you will be satisfied. Which means, again, there's this promise, as we saw here in Yod Gimel Yod Dalid, that if you listen and establish the society based on the norms that they were supposed to, and that were violated, and that's why the Mikdash was destroyed, you will then have a society that is secure, that is successful, that is then ultimately opulent, and, uh, and, and that is established on the on the lines of Stakau Mishpat, and then you have nothing to fear. Not only have nothing to fear, but you also uh, will have all the needs that you that you have will be taken care of. But notice how he makes it clear at the end, so you don't need to try to figure out the metaphor of the water and the milk and the silver and all of this. Just, incline your ears, listen to me. You live, You listen to me. You live. So now, what is this Brit David? Because we're going to step back and ask the question: You have an individual who corrects his behavior or her behavior, walks away from uh, from abusive behavior, from exploitative behavior, from from attitudes, whatever it might be, and improves himself or herself. That's great. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a society. We're talking about a government. We're talking about a country in which the 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 move of the society is, and the move of the people is to listen to the Naveem, to take those messages to heart, and to actually guide their behavior based on those based on those values that are being that are being uh, presented. You do that, and then I'm going to make a brit, which is a brit olam. That's the first thing, a brit olam, in the sense that it's never going to be betrayed. This is now forever. And then he says, Hastei David hanemanim." What does Hasteid David here mean? So it's important to note that the word chesed, which we commonly translate as kindness, in the context, certainly in the context of David, take a look at Tilin Peytet for a real clear example, seems to actually mean loyalty. Right? Um, and so chaste David ha-nemanim, and you see the word nemanim would mean that my loyalty to David is now going to drive this breed that I'm going to make with you. Now, who's David? David is not just a great guy. David is not just a great composer of song. David is Hamelech. Which means, what is the breed that I'm going to make with you? It's a breed of machut. A breach. not only that you will be have all of your needs taken care of, you'll have security, you'll have opulence, all of that. You are going to be the leaders. As long as you maintain your society according to the values that that I presented to you. And now, how does this all come together? This is the whole Haftarah coming together. And both of these passages introduced with Heim. What did I do with David? I made David ultimately in an idyllic picture. It didn't happen in the real world. In an idyllic picture, I made David king of the world, the leader of the world, but as an aid. An aid meaning somebody who testifies to Hashem's presence. Right, and so now, what's going to happen when that all happens? And by the way, this is alluded to already in Yaakov's brachah yudah ad Ki Avoshilo, Ad perhaps related to aid. All right, take a look at the at the vast range of interpretive history there, but including an approach that says that that means ad ki'avos ad Ki, avo ad ki avo meaning until the nations come and bring their gifts to the king. The king of Yehuda is the king. That all the nations come to to uh, to pay obeisance to. You're going to see nations that you never heard of. A nation you never heard, saw, never knew about. They're going to run to you. In other words, you're going to see nations from all around the world coming coming to you. And that's how the haftarah ends. They're coming for Hashem. And what is this nevoah? What is happening here? So. What, um, what seems to be going on in this, in this whole picture is that the Navi is comforting the people, and again, we've moved it up a huge notch. The original consolation was Hashem is in charge of everything. That's number one. Week number two, or day number two of shiv, if you will. Day number two is that Hashem always loves you. Hashem will not forget you. Lo I'm always thinking of you. That's as far as it gets. And you have to remember who your ancestors are and how close they were to Hashem Abituel Abraham Abichem, to Cholochem. Okay? And now we move it up. We say, but there's a much bigger future for you than just being able to come back and rebuild. There is a future now of opulence, of greatness, of international renown, and of Ultimately fulfilling the promise given to David or the promise that David initiated that never really fully happened, which is to be a leader and a teacher to the whole world. But it all cycles back to one thing, which is you in your society establishing yourselves along the lines of the messages of the navim So you don't have to worry about water. You have to worry about wine or milk. You don't have to worry about stones. You have to worry about anything. You have to worry about one thing. Listen to me. And in the last pasuk of that section, the Navi walks away from the metaphor and makes it very clear that the condition upon which all this is going to happen is you listen to me. And so now I want to make this very real world. In Yeshayahu Bet, which is in the same book, but not not the same period. Yeshayahu Bet, very famous nevuah about Aharit HaYamim. All the nations are going to stream to our Beit And what are they going to say? They're going to say, We want to go learn from Hashem, the God of Israel, because that's where Torah comes from. What's going to motivate the nations of the world to say, What's going to motivate the nations of the world to suddenly come to Yerushalayim to learn? The answer is very simple. It's they're going to see a government, a country, a society which operates on such powerful and elevated ethical norms that it blows them away. Like I say, we really want to learn from you because we see you know what, it, what, what it's all about. And so here in this section of Ishayahu, this Navi giving voice to that image says, this is all in your hands. And it could have been, it could have been what you had 100 years ago, but you blew it. Your parents blew it. Your grandparents blew it. Okay? And now it's something that you really have access to and it's something that you're able to do. This is the third step of Nechama. And, of course, it will continue um, as we we look at Anochi, Anochi, Umenachem, Chem, and we're going to see more, perhaps a a step back to a more real-world image because this is quite idyllic. But this is where the Haftarot takes us.